And we're back. This is Inside Black and Gold. If you haven't subscribed yet, do that. We talk about the Saints. We talk about it a lot. We yell. Not really. Kinda. Sometimes. We have a good time. Subscribe. We only yell when there's certain so-called media members that make us yell. I only yell because Nick Wright's a douche. (laughs) (laughs) I, I yell about other stuff, but he just annoys me. Anyway. What's funny is I just saw recently that the Saints are like in the top 15 now for salary cap space. And I, I figure Nick Wright's got to be losing his mind. He just like, it's like, I, I heard an interview. He did a podcast recently where he was like, they were talking about the salary cap. And he was like, oh, I can't believe they accused me of not understanding the salary cap. And the guy asked him like, well, why, why do you consider yourself to be an expert on the salary cap? And he was just like, oh, I mean, me? Oh, he didn't have a reason. He just kind of was a little like, like no that's exactly like exactly exactly yelling about it and pretending you understand what credit cards okay this is something we can get into really quick before we do those interviews i figured out why it annoys me so much and it's because he keeps going back to this analogy of of loading up money on a credit card and what bothers me is like he uses this as if it's like an incontrovertible fact of like this is the reason it's wrong but the the issue is he's fundamentally misunderstood credit card debt. And for a while, I was like, why is he making this argument this way? He must know that it's not intellectually fair. It's, it's a backwards argument, and he's doing it intentionally. But I've come to the realization that he's not doing it intentionally. He just doesn't understand credit card debt, which, you know, some of us don't have the luxury of that. And in doing so, he doesn't understand like the reason that credit cards are bad in terms of having a boatload of debt is that the amount you're paying now down the road, it's going to cost you more. And it's going to be very difficult to pay off because the high interest rate keeps compounding and going up and going up. In this case, it doesn't. It's actually the opposite where inflation is working for you. And so if you move 10% of your salary cap into the year 2025, the salary cap will be higher then. So 10% of the salary cap now is going to be a lower number. So in doing that, you have effectively lessened the amount that you're going to pay relative to how much money is worth. So (laughs) it's more like, if you use the analogy, it's more like what most self-made, quote unquote, self-made successful people will, will tell you is they got, you know, just a small, small loan from their parents to get started. And they never had to pay back any interest on that because you wouldn't you wouldn't say no to that, right? Like it, it makes sense because you can pay it back down the road at a at a time when it is more amenable to you, right? And if you desperately want to stay with the credit card analogy, you can say yes, it's like a credit card with a negative interest rate because by the time you have to pay it back, that amount of money will not mean as much as it does now. And if you were a human and a bank came to you and said, here is a credit card. Your interest rate is negative 0.05%. If you spend $100 today in six years, that will be re- relatively worth $95. And you will have saved money on this transaction. Would, would you not use that credit card? I think I figured it out. It's because the St. Sign Saunders and he's a Chiefs fan. That's why he's so bitter. That's, that could be it. Anyway, that is my whole thing. And like, I just don't want to hear that analogy. If you can make that <laughs> argument without saying that, Great. Let's have a conversation. But just that is so annoying to me that he continues to put that out there. 
anyway, that was not the goal of this segment. I might cut this out. I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you got to leave the rant in. Oh God. I just, it's so annoying to me. Anyway, it's, it's, it's good because like you, you've just signed two defensive tackles to reasonable contracts, not outrageous contracts. They're right. both about three years, $15 million, give or take. And so one of them is Colin Saunders. And again, as we talked about with Jamal, the approach the Saints took really resonated with Colin. And he talks about that in this interview of they, the Saints came to him. The Saints reached out to his agent, said, we want him. We have an opening for him. We have a plan for him. This is what we're willing to pay. And Colin's agents went, okay, we're going to shop around. And the Saints said, cool, let us know. And guess what? They came back and said, okay, this is where we're going to be. And, and again, you're going to hear this in this interview. And I don't think this is that common in the NFL where teams approach it this way. And one of the reasons the Saints approach free agency this way is because they are so regimented with how much they're willing to pay and how they operate against the salary cap and how they restructure deals that they have to operate this way. And I still think it's the right way. Anyway, here's that interview. What kind of drew you to signing here? If I, you know, I think that's a good place to start. Of like, you know, there's obviously a lot of teams out there. You have been on the Chiefs for four, four years, four years, four, four. You know, so what about New Orleans was attractive to you as you kind of went through this? The main thing was the opportunity that was presented. Uh, I knew like how they were contacting my agents. It was like, oh, this is a little different, you know, like, and that's it was like the mutual interest. I feel like is what really you know there was no haggling there was no like oh well somebody else said this it was like no they came on like you know okay we want them here this is what we want want to give them and then my agent's like oh you know do the whole agent thing let's shop around and see what we find and they went around and then they're, the Saints came back like all right what you find like we want them here, you know what i mean so once they told me that i was like all right well we only got to shop around no more because that you know, I mean, obviously you can look for a higher dollar amount, you can look for a higher contract, but that just one, you know what I mean? Like that desire that they have for me and you know, how they got plans for me and stuff like that, man, that's just, you know, I'm a, I'm a humble guy and um, stuff like that, I take into account, you know, I, I take to heart. So, um, man, how they were contacting my agents and telling me about the future and just their plans for me and stuff like that. Yeah, it was an easy decision. I saw when the news came out, obviously, Patrick Mahomes tweets out that he's going to miss you, yeah, yeah. especially those uh, locker room basketball games. <laughs> I don't know if you've gotten, the, the, obviously, the full tour yet, but the locker room here, you're not going to have to worry. There's definitely of uh, the, the Nets set up. They were actually building one during the yeah, season this, yeah. this past year. They must have knew I was coming. Uh, absolutely. So, um, just how do you think it's going to be integrating into a new locker room after, you know, your first four years in Kansas City? Man, listen, that's my specialty. Okay. You know? I'm, I'm, I get in the locker rooms and I'm just mesh them together. Like, that's just what I do. I mean, you can ask Tyron and to know. I mean, like, that's – and Dan. I, I keep forgetting Dan. But, yeah, that's what I do. You know, I'm, I'm a naturally just goofy, you know, just kicking it, chilling. I don't know. I'm not too too serious all the time. I know when to be serious. But, like, that's my – that's I say that's my specialty because I'm a real – I'm a – I like to be friends with people. Like, I don't like the feeling of – you know, somebody not liking me or somebody like having an issue with me. Cause sure. I, that's just not, you know, why, why be that way? 
you know, I don't want to take years off my life being stressed about <laughs> something. So, so I just, you know, that's the type of person I am, man. I, I just like to involve everybody, man. I, I was that kid who, you know, the big football player, star in high school that was friends with all the little tech guys and all, because that's just me, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I just like to unify people and um, I like to, um, like tr my main thing is treat people how you want to be treated, you know, and that's that's one thing that I feel like all my past teammates will tell you, all my anybody, you know, I don't care if you're fourth string, I don't care if you're first string, I don't care if you're all American, you know, I'm gonna treat you like a homie, I'm gonna treat you like we cool, and I'm gonna treat the, the guy who put the cards up like we cool, and I'm gonna treat the equipment, so I'm gonna treat you, you know what I'm saying? I treat everybody the same way, and um, y'all gonna learn that over my over my next few years uh, here is that that's the type of person I am, man. I, I just Spread love and receive it, man. Yeah, so anyone who's been on the Chiefs for the last four years, <laughs> I feel like it's an organization where you expect to win. You play winning football, yeah. and, and you know that in the end, your expectations are Super Bowl, right? Yeah. And I am just curious, as, as you kind of go to a new organization, what would you say are some of the facets of that? Like, what type of winning football? Like, if you had to give examples of, like, things that – you experience well like, yeah, this is a winning organization. Yeah. What yeah. would that be? And like what could you kind of bring to this locker room? Absolutely. Um, first of all, just consistency mm -hmm. and, and the weekly regimen. You yeah. know what I mean? Like one thing about Coach Reed is like he's gonna do and say the same stuff on the same on Wednesdays. Mm -hmm. He's saying the same thing. And I'm not saying like the same general message. I'm saying like the same words, <laughs> the same <laughs> phrase at the end of the meeting. Like, but that's a little overboard. But you know what I mean? Like consistency, one. And then just um just kind of I feel like knowing knowing your work days and knowing your workload like because obviously you can't just sit here and be like we're gonna work five days out the week and mm -hmm. play Saturday I mean Sunday and then you know be off and then no it's not it's not like that so you got to really think okay what you know prepares us what what does us the best and I feel like he had a really good system as far as um getting the best out of players like you know knowing um like we'll have the days where we just hone in on the scheme hone in on you know whatever whoever we're playing that week whatever their strengths is we literally like plastering on the doors and stuff like that so like we know everywhere we walk we see it and stuff like that so it's just I feel like just having that set routine and having that um because he's like kind of superstitious about it and that's okay. what kind of it, it but that like you asked you know what what um factors contribute to it that kind of was one of those things like his superstition and just like you know want to have everything by the book laid out and I think um I mean this man wore the same shoes and you know what I mean, a little coaching thing, and all. Yeah. Same outfit every day, <laughs> every gonna, game. I was gonna ask, is that is that like? Do you have any good examples of superstition? Man, every game he got the end. He got the what they call Air Force Ones, okay. and he mark out the I in there, so it's say AR for Andy Reid. <laughs> Y'all ain't know that. No, it's and not. then and then he got that, and then he got like I said, like on the meetings, you know, like so on the Wednesday or Thursday meeting, those are like our were our bulk days. At the end of every Wednesday Thursday meeting, we meet as a team, and then we split up offense and defense. At the end of every meeting, he'll be like, offense stay, defense leave, and offense if you need to pee, knock it out. That phrase was at the end of every, for four years, at the end of every Wednesday and Thursday meeting I've ever sat in. Okay. So like, that's an example like, he's not, or another example like, uh, travel. We will never get anywhere before 4.30, or, or not before four or after 4.30. Like, 
4 to 4 30 we're arriving it don't matter dope. it don't matter where we're going it don't matter who we're playing so it could be a cross-country flight it can be a cross-country we're gonna get there we're gonna leave 14 <laughs> hours before four o'clock <laughs> like he's just not like that's just the type of duty is like he wants because he don't want no like variations or nothing like that like you know what i mean that's another thing i learned like my rookie year during the super bowl um guys are out there you know the 49ers their curfew all the way until like Friday was like one in the morning. Coach Reeves was like, nah, we 11 every night, just like we normally are, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just stuff like that. He just, you know, he kind of um, sticks with, and I feel like that kind of contributes because it's like you, when you come into camp and you come into whatever, like you know what's going to happen. Unless you're a rookie, you don't know. But like my, every year after my rookie year, I knew exactly what to expect. Right, and if and, you're a rookie, you're going to learn. Exactly. <laughs> and, and if you're a rookie, you you going to force fit and learn. Yeah. So like, <laughs> So I, yeah, it was it was always um, he was always locked in that way. Colin, definitely appreciate the time. Congrats on another Super Bowl, right, and I uh, look forward to talking to you more. Absolutely, one more question. Okay. Okay. Can you still do a backflip? Oh, yeah, you know, I told him I was going to uh, hold it down until until a contract year, and it's looking like it's that time, huh? Right. <laughs> I appreciate, I appreciate you, man. Right, no problem. Congrats on you. And there it is, Steve. What did you think of Colin? I thought he was very. Very sincere. I really enjoyed talking to him. Yeah, he's going to be one of those guys that I think is going to get the fans' attention too just because of how open, animated the guy is. Um, Come training camp, I'm curious to see if he's going to do any backflips for the fans. I hope not. I like, I appreciate that he can do them. I do. But like, can't afford the injury. Yeah. (laughs) David Wilson. If you remember David Wilson, he was a running back for the Giants out of Virginia Tech. His okay. touchdown celebration was a backflip. And every time he did it, I just like cringed. Cause like you see this, like you see guys get hurt during celebrations. Mason Smith for LSU last year, yeah. like he made a great play and he was just jumping around celebrating and he tore, he tore his knee up or I don't know what it was. He tore, he, he injured himself. He missed the rest of the season. Edwin Diaz, the pitcher for the Mets at the world baseball classic who just signed a massive contract. He he messed up his knee, and it's like he might miss the whole season. And like, so you see a guy celebrating like that. It's not what you want to see. Anyway, I appreciate that he can do it. I hope that he can restrain himself from giving me a minor heart attack every time I see his head closer to the ground than his feet. Obviously, I mean, uh, impressive athleticism. This this massive man can you know has, and yeah, just another another big personality on a big dude, and I think. It'll be a great uh, pairing, obviously, up front on the D-line where you you have a, a big vocal leader like a Cam Jordan up there. But, you know, with the integration now of, of another guy that's got Super Bowl rings, which everybody on this team is trying to get, it's pretty amazing just to know that kind of experience and knowledge and uh, of what he brings to this team being in Kansas City. And, and all he knows, all this guy knows is Super Bowls. That's it. Yeah, his expectations are a deep run in the playoffs. Every, yeah, yeah. It just I go to the Super Bowl. I do appreciate that in the locker room. Like I think that the Saints don't. You know, they're the Saints had that for a long time of like guys like this institutional understanding of like we're gonna win and we're gonna go to the playoffs and we're gonna be a Super Bowl contender. And you just don't have enough of them anymore. And so I don't mind the infusion of a guy like that. You know, then the, the Saints now have. A few of those, right? I thought one thing that Colin brought up that it was interesting, and we can we can move to the Nathan interview soon, 
is that he talks about, you know, one of his strengths is just meshing with, meshing with the locker room and being a very positive influence in the locker room. And he talked about, and we actually talked about this when we were watching his press conference, when he was at Western Illinois, the team would actually give him recruits to host because they knew that he was such a good salesman for that university. And so he would have them. And he said like he got like all but maybe two of them. Like he had almost a perfect record of, of winning those recruits. And, you know, I, it's not the most important thing in terms of like being a fun guy, being a guy people like, being a good influence on a locker room. But it's also not the least important thing. Like I do want to see that. It's like you look at CJ and why, why can't CJ get a big deal relative to the um, the talent level that he clearly has. And you you go and you look at, you know, what is how is he viewed in a locker room? And I think Colin is probably kind of the inverse of that, where his locker room presence is a is a very much a net positive. A super likable dude that, yeah, just someone that you instantly feel like you've known for a while and you're buddies with already, even though you just met him kind of thing. Uh, very, very comfortable, easy to talk to. And yeah, that that's only a good thing for your locker room. And I, th- I thought that was interesting too, that he mentioned that, that that's one of his quote unquote specialties is just meshing with folks. Yeah. And, it, and like, he's only had one NFL locker room. So it's a pretty, he's pretty confident uh, in that respect. I also thought the Andy Reid stuff was very interesting. I, and I mean, again, like you can listen to that interview and it's very like, it was, he was a very easy guy to talk to. I think that came out in that interview. Like we, uh, if you just listened to it and didn't know any better, you would think that was not our first interview. But I thought he he had really interesting answers. He was a fun guy. So I'm looking forward to, to covering him uh, over the next three years. Yeah, fun guy hopefully equals big production, especially that, that whole run defense was a major disappointment last year. needs to be shored up. Yeah, uh, it's a good point. And I looked this up. So the Saints were 24th against the run last year um, in terms of total rushing yards allowed. In the previous four years, they were never any worse than fourth. So you talk about like, why did they need to retool that? And and Colin Saunders will be the first to tell you he's a run guy. I think we've mentioned that already. Um, that's why. And so I don't, I think you're, I don't think you're done adding to that position, but these two guys, and we'll get into Nathan Shepard here in a second. These two guys are an important start. Um, and, you know, maybe a draft pick, maybe another veteran, maybe you bring Malcolm Roach back either way. Uh, I think that was, that was, this is a very good start. And that's a good segue into Nathan Shepard, the Ajax assassin question mark hmm uh here's what we had to say when we caught up with him on sports talk last week jeff and i have the privilege of welcoming in new saints defensive tackle nathan shepherd who that nathan how's it going today what's up fellas thank you for having me well welcome to new orleans uh how was the introduction to everyone in the facility and finally getting to put pen to paper today no it was definitely great um the facility looks amazing. Definitely happy to be here. Looking, uh, just driving through, seeing the city, taking it all in. It just feels great. You know, I've always wondered, you know, as the big bodies in the interior come into a food city, have you considered where your first kind of big dinner is going to be at? We got a few. I got a few different spots that I'm uh, considering right now. But um, I definitely got to hit some crawfish up and uh, okay. I'm big on oysters. So those are definitely uh, on my hit list. That's a better answer than Derek Carr, who ended up at Chipotle and 
We all know that's the- unfortunately. Yeah, I heard, I heard about that. So I'm gonna do my best to the city to you know <laughs> pick pick a better spot than that. Okay, good, good. That's what I want to hear, Nate. So, um, have you gotten a chance to talk to any of the defensive coaches so far, like a Todd Grantham, and just wondering uh, what they've been telling you so far about New Orleans? Not in person. Still looking forward to that okay. over the phone uh, a little bit. Today was hectic. A lot of imaging things that I have to get taken care of first. So just days wrapping up now, but I'm um, definitely going to look forward to meeting everyone else in person, uh, OTAs and, and whatnot. You know, Nathan, I'm always curious when you're with another organization, um, what has been kind of your perception of the Saints from afar? And you know, what, what, what made you want to be here uh, in free agency? Definitely, I know the standards for their defense, just something that I can, I can appreciate, something I recognize coming from New York. Definitely bringing what I what I have to this table and, you know, helping this team. And, and, you know, what is that? What would you consider to be your strength as a player? Uh, I definitely play very aggressive. That's just how I feel the game should be played, my position specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, defensive line, that's just that's where everything starts. You know, the team goes as the defensive line goes. Can't win a game without that. Everyone needs to contribute, don't get me wrong, but defensive line with the tip of the spear and team goes as we go. Well, Nate, I know the uh, the Saints, you carry on a long tradition of senior bowl players that this team loves to bring in. I know it seems so long ago, but what do you remember, honestly, about that experience over there? I know, unfortunately, you ended up suffering a broken hand over there, but overall, did you get to talk to uh, the Saints at all that year, do you remember? Uh, there were several teams I do believe we are able to uh, talk with the Saints a little bit, but... Um, from Senior Bowl to here, wow, that was such a long time ago. <laughs> I think my favorite part about that, though, was being able to go against D1 talent. Again, being a D2 player, sometimes there's a, a little asterisk next to that. But being able to go to the Senior Bowl, pull my hat in with everyone else, and uh, you know, just eliminate that. Yeah, obviously, you, you come from – actually, help me out. How do you pronounce the – is it Ajax? So, Toronto, Ontario. Okay. Uh, Ajax is like a suburb of Toronto. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to me because, you know, David Onyemata – Left town, and he always had the uh, the best nickname, in my opinion, which was the Manitoba Mauler. Oh, and so, okay, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, if we got to figure something out here, I'm thinking the Ajax Assassin. How does that sound to you? You know what? If it sticks, it sticks. <laughs> All right. But, you know, just kind of generally speaking, obviously you came out of D2. Is there kind of like a mantle? You know, there's all these kind of big-time program players coming out, and is there – Almost like a like a point of pride, a chip on your shoulder, coming from the you know humble beginnings. I think it was Fort Hayes, if I'm remembering that correctly. As you kind of make it work in the NFL, whereas you know you see these guys, oh, it's like Ohio State, Tennessee, and it's like okay, I want to prove that you know it's this is what you can do from the level that I came from. I mean, for me, look, I understand everyone has their own story. I just understood this is this is my process, this is my path. Um, it made me everything I've gone through, everything I've been through has brought me to this point here. So the way I look at it, there's nothing wrong whatsoever. At the end of the day, the point of college is just to get your foot in the door. And then what you do from that is up to you. Really appreciate the time. Best of luck here, Nathan Shepard. I'll be talking to you soon. And definitely OTAs, training camp, all that will be rust around the corner. And look forward to talking to you more. Thanks for the time. Absolutely. Thanks, you guys, for having me. Until next time. Appreciate it. Appreciate Go Saints. Man. Who that? There it is. Steve, what were your first impressions of Mr. Shepard? Uh, definitely not as a man as much a man as he's definitely not a guy that has as many words to say as our previous two interviews, but still someone obviously that sounds elated to be here. I just think it's, you know, you different personalities you end up dealing with. And, 
you know, being in the room with the other two interviews, plus just getting to talk to him on the phone, there's definitely a different atmosphere, different take on the whole interview it takes on. Yeah, I think you were gonna, you were trying to say a man of fewer words. It, yeah, it? I couldn't come out. I, so I was like, I'll <laughs> I was it. like, I was like, I think this is where he's going. Uh, it's fine. Um, no, yeah, there is a different vibe, and I think you can tell when listening to these interviews, like when you're sitting in a room with a dude and you kind of look him in the eye and you're not live on the radio. Uh, I think you can get a little bit more uh, open with some of the answers, and especially a um, first time interview. It's not we. Well, this guy knew us from nothing. Right. 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 And. So, so I'm not going to judge him based on that interview in terms of like his personality. He wasn't as talkative and that's fine. He had a long day, <laughs> like he was there for a long time, but you know, you asked him about the senior bowl and it, it might seem like a random question, but it's not because right. if you look at all six of the defensive linemen on the saints roster, all six were at the senior bowl. That's cam Jordan in 2011, Tano Passigno in 2017, Nathan Shepard in 2018, Carl Granderson in 2019, Colin Saunders in 2019, and Peyton Turner in 2021. Like, it is a showcase that the Saints use significantly to mine defensive line talent. Marcus Davenport was also a senior bowl guy. The other two that left were not. David Onyemata and Chai Tuttle were not senior bowl guys, <laughs> which surprised me. I thought David Onyemata just seems like he would have been a senior bowl guy. But yeah, so like it, it's you you see this often is the Saints clearly leave Mobile with very high grades on certain players, and then they become free agents, just like Tano Passigno, and the Saints make a point to bring them in. And I think that's what you have here in in Nathan and, and Colin. Yeah, and what's really interesting it's like the just the such close proximity of where we are in louisiana to the biloxi you know that atmosphere there at the senior bowl and yeah every year it just seems to be a major breeding ground it doesn't seem to be it is a major breeding ground of saints future talent whether it's it's a great point if it is the draft or later on in free agency when these guys maybe they weren't able to take do become available you end up bringing them in yeah, great, great advertisement for Jim Nagy and the guys over there. Right, and like, so Tano was a second-round pick. I, the Saints probably just didn't have a high, that high of a grade on him. These two guys were third-round picks. Maybe the Saints didn't have that high of a grade on him, and so they went elsewhere. But like you see down the road, they become free agents. And I just, it's interesting because you look at, oh, the Saints could probably serve to add a defensive tackle in the draft. And if you are not, looking closely at the list of defensive tackles and defensive ends that were at the senior bowl this year, you're doing it wrong because <laughs> it's very, very clear. That is a, an important part of the process in terms of just getting to know players and feeling comfortable with them. Well, un unless they say, Hey, we kind of had big misses with Davenport yeah. and we'll see with Turner. I'm not going to throw him under the bus quite yet, but if they go, maybe we should look, for a DN somewhere else. Yeah, I'm not saying it's necessarily the best choice. <laughs> like, it's pretty clear that they don't always hit on those picks. But I'm just saying, like, if you want to predict the Saints draft pick, I guess that's a good way to put it. If you are trying to accurately predict the Saints picks in your mock draft, Senior Bowl <laughs> that would be a smart a approach. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Uh, but the funny thing is, like, this, the last guy, Cesar Ruiz was another guy who wasn't at the Senior Bowl. And... Like you would be like, wow, he must have been there. No, wasn't. Anyway. It's it's. I mean, it's tough when you got the poster boy for him. Well, obviously, Cam Jordan 
and it's like you wish every one of your picks could be that dude. Yeah. Are you? Yes, you do. You wish every one of your picks is a future Hall of Famer. Yeah. And and just everything too, from being on the field to the locker room presence to interaction with the media to health. Uh, the guy, the guy, just everything. He's he's everything. the complete package. One thing I'll say, the last thing I'll say is when you, again, when you, I mentioned this, so Colin is clearly a run guy. And I think you look at, you look at Nathan and he's kind of just, he's just like this behemoth. He's an athletic, a marvel. And I think you're seeing more of a, you know, Leonard Williams type, a guy that you're going to try to split double teams and get upfield and be, and be an impact in the run game and the pass game. And so I think you're kind of seeing like them try to marry those styles and have, a really good array of pass rushers across the board because they are they are they do have distinct skill sets it, it is interesting to see um and so i think this is a team that was very aware of its difficulty against the run brought in a new defensive line coach and they're hoping that they can re- kind of revamp that and so that's all i got i think it's a good start for sure i think these are both really high character guys you talk to them and, and even though nathan wasn't that talkative i did appreciate what he had to say and uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this kind of develops the rest of the offseason and OTAs. Yeah, I want to see how else this team decides to go about filling out the roster still in free agency leading up to the drafter. I know the countdown for that's going to be pretty soon too, though. We'll be going X amount of days till the NFL draft is here. You are correct, sir. Yeah, the, I think the next, I think that's probably a good indicator that our next podcast will be mock draft 2.0 the post free agency mock draft unless crazy stuff happens in which case it won't be no i I think like after we've pretty much gone through that big first wave of free agency and i would say now makes a more logical time to hit a mock draft maybe even maybe even your first one right now the ones we did before free agency hit you can toss those totally out the window I think it's a baseline, right? You, you kind of like, you're, you're making the determination of like, okay, General what do we think they need right. now? Things have changed a little bit. What do we think they need now? Like they're not as desperate for defensive tackle now as they were then. So top of the draft orders changed a little. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. The way the quarterbacks come off the board has probably changed, you know, yeah. like, so yeah, it'll, it'll be a good one. So keep, keep a lock for that. That'll be on Friday, but thanks everyone for listening. I've enjoyed this episode. Thanks everyone for sticking around through my rants and As always, rate, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your dog to listen to Inside Black and Gold. All pets are welcome. All pets. Toucans, gerbils, that Nutria that lives out there in South. I heard he's he's a huge listener. Yeah, I have heard. I have heard that the Nutria, what is his name? Noodles? If it's not Noodles, it should be. Uh, I have heard he is a big listener. He he, he has, because the Nutria, they have like real hands. You know, they have the... The kind of rodent finger so he actually can use an iphone i don't know if most people know that and yeah he's when i talked about that review earlier that was actually him he, he typed that out so. the nutria thank you yeah yes thank you mr nutria uh who is gets to stay with his family happy ending for, for everyone oh good he doesn't get taken away and killed our most dedicated listener <laughs> he doesn't have to listen from nutria jail <laughs> all right thanks y'all later Peace.